You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Doing all right? I'm good. I'm nervous. I don't do this often, so just give me a little grace today, okay? I don't preach very often, but I'm excited to be here. If you don't know who I am, welcome online also. I am the executive pastor here. My name is Doug Case. It's an honor and a privilege to serve on an amazing leadership team. I love our church. I love our pastors. I have to honor Pastor Tim and Tina, amazing, healthy leaders that just speak into our life, challenge us, and not just love your heart for the church. And I'm, I'm grateful to have healthy leaders. Can we get a round of applause for that, right? I wanna honor my wife too. Laura, you did an amazing job with worship. You're an amazing wife, amazing mom, and she deals with me. Preach, I know. Let me tell you, I'm an acquired taste. If you don't know that yet, you'll find out. It takes a little while. You're gonna love me by the end of this, so stick through. If you're watching online, just, just wait. It's gonna get better, I promised. Um, today, I wanna share with you a message about my journey and something that the Lord's been working on me a lot. Uh, something that I felt challenged, but I wanna start with praying first. So let's close our eyes, bow our head, and pray. Lord, speak to us today. Open our hearts for your word. Change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's topic and what I wanna discuss is the fear of the Lord. I, I don't see this discussed often in church, but today I would like to discuss what the fear of the Lord is and how we apply it to our life. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But when I think of the word fear, something else comes to my mind. I know you guys are already thinking it. When I think of the word fear, I think of frogs. Don't laugh. Come on. Somebody's afraid of frogs. Somebody else, I'm not the only one, right? There's got to be, thank you. Somebody's afraid of frogs. Thank you. Don't look at me like I'm crazy and judge me from your seats, okay? You all have these unrational fears, like Things that aren't gonna happen probably won't hear you. Let me explain why I'm afraid of frogs first, and then you can judge me later, okay? So I'm sitting there at my grandmother's house. Her house is built in the 70s, and this is the late 80s, and I'm about four years old, and so everything is gold, like the gold appliances, you know what I'm talking about? Like, we didn't have enough money to upgrade the house, but I remember like that distinct shag carpet, like the different colored shag carpet in each room, too. The, you had yellow, then you had green, and it just clashed, but... It was a design back then. But my grandmother made cookies. And I'm talking about like good cookies, not these 100 calorie stuff that we try to eat now and be healthy, but like the homemade ones with tons of sugar. Like tons of sugar, just greatness, like just melts in your mouth. She gave me a glass of milk and I did what any four-year-old did. I was having the time of my life, bouncing around like, this is awesome, Grandma's house is the best. I love it, it's so good. And I'm sitting there drinking my milk out of this cup. And all of a sudden, these two eyeballs appear. And they look me right in my soul. Like right in my soul. And I just start screaming. I'm screaming. I start throwing milk all over the kitchen. I don't even care. I'm going to get this thing out of my cup. I don't know how it got in there. I launched the cup across the kitchen. Come on, none of y'all done this? And I'm losing my mind. And they're like, oh, laughing. I'm like, this ain't funny. Why are you guys laughing? It's not funny. You shouldn't be laughing at this. I'm terrified. And they bring it over and they're like, look, it's a little porcelain frog. Don't worry about it. I'm like, get that away from me. That is the devil. 
I don't want that near me. I am gypsy at heart. Keep the frogs away. And I'm just like terrified of frogs. And, and this is something that I've had a fear my whole life. I don't even like to tell people because then people want to push the boundary with it. Come on. Like, oh, got your frog. <laughs> yeah, you're real funny, jerk. But I remember in seventh grade, we had biology class and we had to dissect a frog and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? So I did what any manly guy would do. I found a girl that was afraid of it and I was like, hey, I think it's time you face your fears. Like, you need to step up. I think this is your time to shine. That really happened. Like, I, I let her do all the work. There was no way I was touching this thing and we got a great grade for it too. And I just like, mm, you're up. And even now, like, the kids will pick up frogs, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to be away from that. When we were moving out here to East Texas to, to make a difference, someone's like, I had a dream, and in that dream, there's frogs. And I'm like, nope, that's from the devil. I don't, nope, keep it away. And I think we all have unrational fears, right? I'm not the only one. Like, something that probably won't happen, something that can't really hurt you. But we have these irrational fears that we justify in our mind, but that's not the fear that we're talking about when we talk about the fear of the Lord. It's, so what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord, as mentioned in the Bible, goes beyond a mere feeling of fright or terror. What it is, is it involves a deep reverence and awe, a respect for God's holiness, his power, and his authority in your life. I'll put it this way. The fear of the Lord is an acknowledgement of God's supremacy and a recognition of our own limitations that require us to depend on him. I have to realize that I'm broken. I have to realize my faults. I have to realize that he reigns above it all. It's a gift, a gift from a loving father that sometimes we don't even know how to receive. It, it, it came at a cost and it's really hard for us to even accept this gift at times. And right now we're seeing tons of fear, tons of anxiety. If you don't believe it, open up your social media feed. Watch the news. We just got through the pandemic and we're still seeing mental health challenges come out of that. We're seeing marriages fall apart because they didn't really have a good foundation. We're seeing fear with the economy. Like anyone seen the price of eggs lately? I need a second job just to get eggs and bread. We have politics coming up and elections and it just stirs this fear inside of us. Like why aren't we in control? Why can't we do this? But that's not what we need to lean into. We need to lean into the fear of the Lord understand that he's in control. The fear of the Lord's not meant to paralyze us or, or give us anxiety or move us away from God. It's to move us near him, to be close to his presence, to, to enjoy his presence. It motivates us to live a life of obedience and righteousness rather than sacrifice. To align our lives with his will. The fear of the Lord always leads us away from sin because we have a deep reverence for God. We, we wanna walk in his plan. We have a desire then inside to please him. And additionally, the fear of the Lord is a concept of a covenant relationship. See, my kids love me. I believe that. I hope so. I hope they enjoy being in my presence, but it's because we have a relationship. They understand I'm a loving father. They understand that I want to be in their life. They understand that I want the best for them, even when they don't agree. That's the same thing the Lord does with us with the fear of the Lord. It's a covenant relationship saying, just come to me. When we fear God, 
when we truly see his awe, his goodness, his glory, what happens is we start to align ourselves with his guidance, his wisdom, and his blessings. It's through this that we experience a deeper intimacy with the Lord as he reveals himself to us. For those with a humble heart and just seeks him all filled. Like, God, I know you're that good. God, I just want to be close to you. God, I know that I'm broken and I, I don't deserve this. It's a transformative mindset that can shape our attitudes, our actions, and even our relationships. We want you to know God here. It's one of the things that we say, it's the very first sign out in our lobby is we want you to know God. But what we mean by that is we want you to truly know him, to have an understanding of him, to not see him through your own lens, but to see at a supernatural lens of what a loving father he is. That he has a plan for you. And to walk in that plan, we really do have to fear the Lord. We have to put him above everything. We have to put him in the right place for us to actually walk in the plan he designed for you. But time and time again, we move away from the fear of the Lord. We forget what he's done in our past. We remember the struggles, the trials, the heartbreak, rather than the wins or the growing or the perseverance. Today, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Psalm 25. And I love this Psalm because it opens with David saying that it, it's, it's him recognizing the Lord again. And in Psalm 25, David starts out discussing that his hope is in the Lord, even though in other times he hasn't put it first. And I love that the scripture goes into the fear of the Lord in here. And David starts recognizing God's goodness, his mercy, his love, that he's broken, that he's a sinner, that it's a time of trouble. Scholars believe that it was a time that David was in great trouble. So he's discussing about, I'm in trouble, Lord, but I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you above it all. And in verse 12 is when you see David take refuge in the Lord. In this part particularly, David recognizes the confidence in his friendship with the Lord. And I think it's amazing that David talks about the Lord as a friend. And for a long time, I never even saw God as a friend. I knew God was there. I knew that he was in charge. But I didn't see him as like my best friend, the person I want to connect to daily, the person I want to have conversations with, the person I want to be close to. So in, tw- Psalm, sorry, in Psalm 12, he says, who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confines in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. I love that part. He makes his covenant known. He's showing you that he's always faithful when we fear the Lord. And verse 15 says, my eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare. I think it's amazing that David is talking about the fear of the Lord and the friendship of God and discussing about the challenges that he's facing. Not only the Lord being in that right place, only the Lord being above it all is what frees his feet from the snares, the struggles in life. If you don't know what a snare is, it's a wire that's used and as you run through it, as you go faster, it pulls you, it entangles you, it chokes you, it can kill you. And what David is drawing here in the conclusion is that God is the one that releases us from the things in this world that kill us, that pull us away, that trap us, that keep us from him. And David was a warrior, he was a king, he was a shepherd, so he knew how to use these devices. And I love that he's showing like, I've used these, I know what it does. 
And I realized the power of the fear of the Lord. David said to be a man after God's own heart. And I think all of us want to feel that way. All of us want to feel like God's saying like, hey, you're after my heart. But a lot of times I look like the more broken people in the Bible. A lot of times I, I have pride and ego rather than humility. Pride is the enemy of the fear of the Lord. It keeps you distance from him. It makes you justify things that you shouldn't justify. And God wants to deal with that. So I want to give you three areas, three areas that can entangle us and keep us from the fear of the Lord. Three areas that I personally had to walk through in my life. Three areas I struggled with. And I hope it resonates with you. I believe there's more struggles in this. Maybe you're walking through something out. But this to me was the foundational groundwork for me to really start fearing the Lord, to move near him, to say, Lord, I'm broken. Please help me. Lord, I want your will rather than mine. And the first one is purity. Purity. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4 says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Purity is important to God. It matters. None of us want to drink out of a dirty cup, right? Can we agree on that? It's nasty, right? When I was 18, I loved to hunt. We have any hunters here today? Online, if you love to hunt, like I'm with you. I found this plot of land that a farmer owned and it was incredible. He had the biggest bucks, turkey, all these things that I just, I, I was like, man, I hope I can get on there. I know I can't afford to hunt on his land. So I'm gonna try to make friends with him and see if I can get on. And we go over there and he would always grab a cup, a dirty mug out of the sink and then he was working in the farm, so his shirt's covered in manure, and he'd take his shirt and dip it in the cup, wipe it clean, put it in front of us, and pour coffee in there. And I was like, I don't want to drink that. I don't want to drink that. But I knew that I wanted to. I knew that I wanted to hunt. I knew that there was a cost for this. So I'd just be like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to drink this. Hopefully I don't get sick. And it was disgusting. But that's exactly what we do with the Lord when we say, we want your Holy Spirit, but we don't want to walk in purity. We want you to put your spirit in us, but I don't want to have to be pure. And I struggled for this. I struggled with this for years. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to make you feel bad. What I'm saying is I really struggled with sexual immorality. And, and each time that I did it, I felt distant from God. I felt so far, so far away from him. And I mean, I justified it like it's not a big deal. Everybody does it. You see it right now. Statistics show Christians actually don't think this is an issue anymore. And, and we've turned to motivational type speeches rather than scripture in the church. And it's, it's breaking my heart. Because I think this is important to the Lord. I knew it was wrong. I justified. I'd say it's not a big deal. But every time I felt guilt, shame, and condemnation. That's not what God designed sex for. And it got to the point it wasn't worth it. And I, I remember as my relationship was growing closer and closer to God, I had to surrender this to him. I couldn't do it in my own flesh. I couldn't do it in my own will. Or else I would have done it a long time ago. So I had to surrender it to him. I, I had to want God's word more. I wanted to have to be close to him. I wanted to hear his voice. I, I had to get close to him. So that means I had to distance myself from everything else. But I'll tell you this, it took a predetermined decision that I wanted to be closer to the Lord than I wanted those other things. It took a predetermined decision that, Lord, I want your plan rather than what my flesh is desiring. And I, I think purity is beyond just that. That's a part of it. But a lot of times in our heart, we chase things that really aren't of God. 
Which led me to the second thing. I really struggled with generosity. The second thing that really entrapped me and kept me from the fear of the Lord was generosity. And I know what you're thinking right now. Oh, here's pastor talking about generosity. I did the same thing. I was like, I'm out. I'm done. This is common in church. But here's the funny thing. God just started challenging me. He said, what do you really love? Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So what do you love? I felt the Lord asking me that. What do you love? And he's like, do you love the church? Do you love Jesus? I'm like, yeah, I love Jesus. He's like, then why don't you show it? Do you love my people? Yeah, I love people. I think it's great, sort of, when I can deal with them on my own terms. <laughs> come on, I'm not the only one. Like, come on, it's challenging. If you don't think it's challenging, you're the challenge. Just realize that. Like, it's <laughs> self-inflicted. But he's like, if you love my people, you'll invest in my people. Then he asked me the hardest thing. He said, do you love yourself? Because that's all I see you investing in is yourself, Doug. And it broke my heart because I realized that I didn't love the things that God loved and I ignored it for so long. And again, I'm not here to judge you. Generosity is more than just money. Money's a part of it. Money's a part of it, but that's not everything. Generosity includes things like your time, empathy, energy. It's exhausting dealing with people sometimes, but if we give them our time, if we give them empathy, if we give them energy, we're being generous. It's a limited commodity. But we're called to love God. We're called to love people. And for the longest time, when God would ask me to be generous, I just fought him on it. Now, I don't want to be generous. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have to do these things. And I had a hard time because for the longest time, I had a fear of not having enough. It was deep in my heart from a kid growing up in poverty, watching my dad lose a business and go do dishes to put food on the table. And I thought, why don't we, God, you say you're a good God. Why don't you take care of us? God, you say you're a good God. I'm watching my father struggle. You say you're a good God, but I saw something that he dreamed of and that we dreamed of as a family not come true. And God just started challenging me and telling me, like, I'm your provider. And he showed me that he could do a lot more with what I had than I even did. So the reason why I didn't like the message was a deeper hurt. Generosity bothered me. And it's so funny because there's times I thought I was gonna run out, times that I was scared, and every time I was generous, every time I took this step, God reminded me, you are a steward, you're not the owner. It became lighter. This was one of my biggest struggles. Giving was the biggest struggle I had. Tithing and generosity work, tipping doesn't. Think about that. For years, I'd go to the church and be like, I love God, I'm in church, I'm serving. Okay, time to give, here's a tip. I'm not gonna tithe, I'm not gonna be generous, I'm not gonna do the things that God calls us to. And every time I felt crushed by the weight of having to perform and do it myself. I felt like God wasn't near me. I felt like not walking in purity, not being generous, that God was so far away from me. And for the longest time I struggled like, do you even care, do you see me? And he had to ask me things like, will you be obedient? Will you change your heart? Which led me to the third thing that I struggled with the most, and this is the hardest thing for me, authority. The thing that traps us the most is authority in this country. Happy fourth, y'all. Independence, freedom. And time and time I see again that we preach this motivational speech. We preach that your life should have, you know, married, kids, a nice house. I don't see that in scripture. 
I see us walking in obedience. It will come at a cost, but he paid it first. God paid it first for us. And I hate authority because I'm an Enneagram 8. Don't try to control me. My wife will tell you, you tell me don't do it, I'm gonna go do it. Don't tell me not to do it. Don't control me. Don't tell me what I have to do. Don't try to tell me how to live my life. I don't know if this is resonating with anyone else or if I'm the only one that feels this way, but Hebrews 13, 17 says this, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. I don't like that. I don't like it. Pastor Tim challenges me all the time. I don't like what he challenges me with. I don't like that he pushes me, but what I can tell you is I know that he hears from God. I know that if I submit, I'm blessed. I know that I'm covered. And here's the thing that I've learned. Pastor Tim knows, knows that it's better to give scripture than his opinion. That's something I love about our church. We give scripture. We don't give our opinion because it will misguide you. And then you're going to blame us why God failed. But I don't like what scripture has to say a lot of times. I don't like praying for my enemies and I've had to do it for years. I had to do it this week. I did and I didn't want to. And God's like, you gonna pray for him? That's dumb. But it says this, their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. I'm sorry if a pastor hurts you. I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm human. I'm broken. But please hear this. I've been through church hurt. It kept me from my destiny. It kept me from the purpose. I, I was mad at the church. I was angry at the church because I was hurt by an authority. But here's the thing that I learned as I moved into the executive role, as, as I understand the weight of carrying a lot of things in the church and matching Pastor Tim's heart, is that I have to give an account to God. Everyone here that believes in Christ, everyone that's walking with the Lord, you have to understand, yes, you are saved, you're going to heaven, but we have another judgment. We're gonna stand before Christ and say, what did you do with my son's name? Did you keep it to yourself? Did you share what I did for you? Are you generous with what I did for you? Did you multiply it? Did you bring people along with you? Or did we just take it for granted? And I was so challenged on this because I went to church, I did the stuff, but I didn't live the life to show other people Jesus. The verse follows up with says, give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. Please hear that, underline it in your Bible, mark it multiple times. <laughs> That would certainly not be for your benefit. It doesn't help if I sit here and come to Pastor Tim every time and be like, man, I'm struggling. Here's what we're doing, dealing with kids, dealing with life. My wife wants me to go to CrossFit. I don't want to do it. But if I don't submit to him, if I don't let him push back with scripture about love and praying and stepping up and being a part to lead my family, if he doesn't point me back to that, then I'm wasting his time and he, I'm wasting mine. Let me put it another way. You're not under authority if your authority can't disagree or challenge you. See, I would tell people I'm under authority. I'd tell people that I understood what that meant, that my pastor took care of me and that I report to my pastor and it's really good. And then I would realize like, no, only if he agreed with me. Only if I wanted to hear it rather than what he really had to say. Only if that hit what I was thinking right there. Let's, you know what? I'm going to surround myself with mighty men of God that all agree with me. And I've seen it time and time again, and it, it breaks my heart. I've seen it in the church. I've seen it with leadership. I've seen it time and time again. This is why I put myself with people that don't think like me, don't act like me. And I would tell you this. If you're struggling with either one of these, get in a group. Get some freedom. Talk to someone that's been through it. Ask them to show you. 
David did these well. He was on the battlefield, but the only one, the only one he struggled in was purity. And it came at a big cost. It cost him to not be pure. It cost him not to walk with the Lord in those ways. He had Saul who was an evil, evil authority in his life and submitted to him and said, I will not lay a hand on him. He was generous. He was so generous that he built up the church for his son. He was so generous that he passed on the fear of the Lord to his son. It's amazing what he passed on. But what we have to understand is if I really want to move close to the Lord, if I want to be in his presence, if I want to understand who he is, then I'm going to have to surrender some things. And all three of these areas are equally important. It builds a foundation. It's not the end of the journey. It's a foundation. It's the start. We don't look at a house and go, man, you see that slab? That foundation is just, hmm. Unless you're a builder, maybe, but most of us ignore that. But we have to start at the foundation. We have to start moving towards the Lord. And so last year, my wife and I were invited to a pastor's training. And it was interesting because we get down there and I'm excited to be there. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. And I walk in the door and I'm gonna be very vulnerable right now. I was so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed. I was a fish out of water. I didn't belong there. Like I, I looked at the invitation and was like, did you get the wrong Doug case? Because there's pastors that are on TV that wrote books that have multi-million, like millions of people following them. And then there's us. I was like, what are we doing here? I'm like, this, this is awkward. I'm intimidated. I don't have a theology degree. I didn't grow up in the church. All I have is my experiences. What, why do I even belong here? And I think it's interesting during that training, we were there to discuss the fear of the Lord. We were going to learn about it. We were going to study the fear of the Lord. We were going to talk about just God's goodness and the awe of God and leaning in. And the last night I'm sitting there praying, I'm praying in the shower. Don't judge me. We have five kids. Okay. Sometimes the shower is the only place that's quiet. Just knock on the door constantly trying to come in and interrupt me. I'm like, I'm trying to talk to the Lord. <laughs> Just, mm, can't even get five minutes. And they're like, where's the bread? Right in front of you, in the pantry. It hasn't moved. But I'm sitting there praying and I'm in the shower and I just heard the Lord say something to me. He said, I need you to do something. I need you to stand tonight for the whole time. I need you to stand. And the crazy thing is I had a car accident when I was 18. I've had surgery in my back. I've had pain in my back. I had neuropathy. It felt like pins and needles in my legs. And I thought, you know what, Lord, if this is what you're asking, if this is what you want from me, I'll do it the whole time. And it wasn't easy because I was in pain. I knew not to dismiss it. I knew to listen to the Lord, to enjoy this time in his presence. Even if I was in pain, even if I was standing in a trial, I was gonna enjoy that he was near to me. And we're praying, I just start thanking God. I thank him for taking care of these things in my life for, for getting me pure, for, for helping me clean my heart. And I start thanking him for the generosity and being my provider and that I've seen my life grow because of this because now my focus and what I measure isn't just financial. I start thinking about the authority he put in my life, PT, the elders, Pastor Curtis and High Ridge Fort Worth, people that can challenge me and say, Doug, have you looked at this perspective? Or Doug, this is what scripture says. I start thanking God and thanking him. And I'm just praying in the spirit. And I'm asking the Lord, like, thank you so much. I don't even deserve to be near you right now, but I'm so thankful. And at the end, one of the pastors comes up and he just grabs my arm. And I'm like, you want to fight? I'll take you. I'm bigger. Fight for your church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't do any of that. He grabbed my arm, but it, it caught me off guard. 
And I was like, what? And he goes, I got a question for you. I was like, okay. And he's like, my wife saw you were in a lot of pain. Do you want to be healed tonight or not? I was like, yeah, of course I do. Like, who doesn't? Right? Am I going to be like, no, don't pray for me. But he said, that's not what I asked you. I mean it. I mean it. Do you really believe that the Lord can heal you tonight? That Jesus' body was broken specifically so you could be healed. And I knew right then that I had to surrender. I knew right then that for years, I, I put the verse of like a thorn in the side that Paul talks about, that this is gonna be my thorn in my side. This is gonna be the challenge I always have. And for a lot of years, I didn't even believe it was possible to be healed. For a lot of years, I couldn't believe in that miracle. And, and I'm still in awe that God answered a prayer after 23 years. I'm not saying that God's always gonna answer the prayer the way that you want, but in this case, he did. There's many times God has not answered prayers my way and it's broken my heart. But I believe that he's sovereign. I believe that he's good. I have the fear of the Lord. I know that he's using it for his plan. And I was just shocked that the Lord would just heal me. I had no pain. Sorry. Hear me. That night I knew God was so real. I felt his presence. I felt his power. I felt how great he was, how holy he was, and how much I didn't deserve this. And it made me want the Lord even more. We want you to know God here. We want you to really know him, to be in relationship, to be best friends with him. He cares about you. But we have to be willing to surrender those things. You can't just be close to sin and say, I'm close to God. You can't be prideful and be close to God. And I believe today, if you'll surrender, if you'll move forward to this, and maybe you're dealing with a different area, but if you'll truly surrender it, meaning in your heart, not just the, oh, I handed it over, but in your heart, the Lord will do something amazing for you today. Because he did it for me and I didn't deserve it. He did it for me when I was broken, when I've hurt people, when I didn't even like looking at myself in a mirror. And he loved me enough to say, that's not who you are, son. I have a plan for you. Be obedient. Listen to my plan. Love me. Put me first. Communicate with me daily. Be in my word. Pray fast. Do whatever I ask. It's not comfortable. He asked me to pray dangerous prayers. It's not comfortable. It's not always what I want, but he cares. We're gonna wrap up there. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. You can close up your Bibles, but I just wanna take a moment to pray. I want to take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Nobody's looking. It's just a moment with you and the Lord. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I believe if I did my job right today, you'll see some areas that maybe you're just struggling. Maybe you're having a hard time. Maybe you just really haven't trusted the Lord in that. And the Lord's saying, hand it over to me, son. Hand it over to me, daughter. Maybe you're struggling with some purity. Maybe you're struggling with generosity and believing that he cares about you. Maybe you've been hurt by authority and he's saying, hand me that wound. Maybe you're walking through a different struggle. Maybe you're really struggling to believe that he's gonna answer the prayer you've been asking so long. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you, just raise your hand. I'm not gonna call you out. I just wanna pray for you. If you're hearing the Holy Spirit show you something, if you're struggling, if you're walking through a struggle, if that's you, just raise your hand. Be brave. No one's looking. This is just a moment for you and the Lord. Hands all over. Just raise them. It's fine. Nobody's here to judge. No one's going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. You can put your hands down. 
Lord, I thank you for each and every person that just raised their hand. I pray that, Lord, we repent from our ways. We repent from the sin that we, we've brought so close to us. Lord, we just wanna run back to you. We pray that we get back in your arms, in your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. One last question. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're online, this is you. If you're sitting there going, Doug, I don't really know who God is. I haven't had a relationship with Jesus. I don't know him as a friend. I've never even really heard his voice. Or maybe you did and you walked away from it. Friend, there was a time I did the same thing. It'd be an honor and privilege to walk you through a simple prayer. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. It doesn't matter. Just repeat after me. Pray with me, friend. Pray with me. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins, past, present, and future. I ask you come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. Lead me, guide me. I don't wanna do it my way anymore. Thank you, Jesus, for right now saving me. If you prayed that prayer with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to just raise your hand. Look at me and raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Anyone out there that prayed that prayer, we're not gonna call you out. We're not gonna make it uncomfortable. We just want you to take a step to the Lord. Thank you, I got you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Just look at me, make eye contact. We're not gonna call you out. Thank you. I'm gonna ask you all to stand. Couple things, if you prayed that prayer, we're gonna ask you to text, I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT. I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT. I'm gonna call the elders up, we're gonna pray for you. I'd encourage you this, if you're walking through that struggle, if you raise your hand, come up front and get prayer. The Bible, scripture tells us that it's good that the elders pray for us, that they lay hands. And God also says when two or more gather, I'm there in, your, in that presence. So if you have something you're struggling with, if there's something you're walking through, come up and get prayer. It's powerful, it's hard, it takes humbling. For me, it was one of the longest journeys of my life is going from the back row up to the front and asking for prayer. And I'd encourage you to do that today. I believe God's gonna break through. I think God's gonna do some miracles. I'm gonna bless you, then dismiss you. Don't forget next week, baptism. So if you wanna sign up for that, you can go online and sign up. And I'm gonna pray and we'll have a great day. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you for what you did today. I thank you for just the hearts that you've changed. I thank you for helping us through our struggles, Lord, when we don't understand it. That we'll move towards you, that we'll fear you, Lord. That we'll see your goodness, your love, your mercy. That we'll honor you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support, and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week, and we will see you next time.